time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Fear is one of the pieces that keeps lots and lots of people stuck. In fact, if you think about it, fear is at the foundation of why most of us feel stuck about something. The question is, what do we do about that fear? It's not that we can alleviate the fear, but can we face the fear and begin to move forward? Let's think of fear as being a very natural response, but not a particularly helpful response. And I really want to talk about fear as a differentiation between this and something else. So there's fear and then what I would call fright or startle. So fear and fright are two different things. So being startled is more what I'm talking about, about the fright. So something frightens you. Let's say that you're walking down the street and somebody jumps out behind you. That's a startled response. That's a fright response. Or maybe you go to the basement and you hear something and you're not sure what it is and suddenly your body goes on alert. That's a fright response. Or maybe if you're like me, you're running down the trail in the middle of the woods and you see something squiggly on the trail and you come to a sudden stop because you're afraid it might be a snake. That's a fright response. Fear is a little bit more broad because it's based in our thought process. The fright startle response is is hardwired into you. It's there to keep you safe. It's there so that when you're running down the trail, you suddenly come to a sudden stop to avoid that squiggle in the road in case that it's something dangerous. That's just hardwired into the deepest parts of your brain. That's the amygdala always watching out for you. And when your amygdala is on alert and says, hey, watch out, be careful, your whole body goes on response. So we'll set that aside for a minute because oftentimes that is a natural response to a scary situation, a startling situation, and it resolves itself. Now, it can become a frightening situation that becomes fearful, but for the most part, those startles, those frights are not really what get you stuck. They may be what makes life a little bit exciting if you're at the amusement park or if you go to a scary movie, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about those fear pieces where you say, what if, and you fill in the blank with some large thing that might happen. What if you break down on the road as you're traveling across the country? What if your child fails the test and doesn't get into the school they're supposed to? What if your job goes under and you're left penniless? What if your house suddenly is destroyed by fire and all those priceless things are gone? Those are fears that we we play out in our minds. Or maybe I just helped you play some out in your minds. But when I think about those fears, they're the ones that I'm really talking about. And and the, and the deeper ones that we'll talk about in, in just a little bit, where fear is somewhat of a reaction And that's the first part. But the real issue is our response to our fear reaction. That's when we really have a bigger deal. So let's say, for instance, that there is some stimulus. Maybe something happens at work and it puts you on alert that something may not be going as well as you think. Or maybe your spouse begins to act a little more distant and you realize that maybe something's wrong with your relationship. So that's the stimulus. And you're going to have a natural reaction. It may be that your your gut drops out, that you suddenly have this huge fear and you break out in sweat and you, you feel that startle response. But then you have some thoughts about that. And the thoughts are where we begin to create our problems because our thoughts are going to lead us in one of two directions with our fears. Our fearful thoughts are either going to lead us to avoidance 
or to caution. Those are the two choices that I would recommend. Don't just throw caution to the wind when you have a fear because that fear is telling you something important. But you also don't have to live into the avoid. There's an acronym where fear either means forget everything and run or it means face everything and rise. And those are the difference between avoidance and caution. So if you are at that place where fear has you avoiding things, which is where we really get stuck, then you're living in that forget everything and run. But if you realize that fear is just telling you something's important here, some, you need to pay attention. Something's coming your way that you need to face. That, that's the caution side. And that's when we say face everything and rise. It doesn't mean to charge full into it, but to face everything and rise is to take in that caution and recognize that part of what's got you stuck, those fears don't have to stay there. Over the course of my career, I've heard the phrase so many times that someone would say, I would do blank, but, and then they would name a fear. Oftentimes it was phrased as, I would do this great thing that would really bring me great passion and love in my life and excitement and all the things I've always wanted, but I'm fearful because, and then they fill in the blank. Do you hear yourself saying that sometimes? I would write that book, but I'm afraid that I could not get it to a publisher because I had that 10th grade teacher that told me I didn't know how to write. Or maybe you wanted to run a marathon. I really want to run that marathon, but I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid that I would never be able to put that kind of training in. Or how about this? I see that person across the room and they're exactly the person I would like to meet, but I'm not going to go over there because they might reject me like that's what happened in high school or middle school or wherever it was that you learned that lesson. And so we begin to play a smaller world because we exclude so many things that are so powerful with that phrase, but and because. But and because are powerful psychological words that keep us stuck. If you found yourself to be the king of but or the queen of because, you probably are finding yourself stuck with those words as they frame you into a place that you cannot get beyond. What happens if you simply rephrased it though? I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do it even if I can't find a publisher or even if somebody tells me it's not good and I'm going to do it even though my 10th grade teacher told me. Notice the difference. All we did was drop the but and got rid of the because. And because disappears whenever you decide to take action. And but is rendered useless when you say and instead of but. Now, those aren't small changes. Those are huge shifts in our thinking when we do that. Whenever we look at the word but, one of the things that is clear is that we use but to negate everything that came before it. I really think you're a good person, but, and we fill in the blank, means that we really don't think they're a good person, right? And so we use that as a shorthand way of negating everything in front. I would love to do this, but, and now you're going to negate why you can't do exactly what you would love to do. Because is an interesting word because because is used as an explanatory phrase. It's been a lot of research around what happens when people use because and what it amounts to is it gets beyond people's resistance. 
their defenses. And the reason is it gives a reason. Because is always followed by an explanation. Now, it doesn't even have to be a useful or sensible explanation. There have been plenty of studies that have shown that by simply using because, you can add anything to the back of it. There's a research piece that I've mentioned before, but bear some thought in terms of how this keeps you stuck. And that is the experiment around the copying machine. There's a copying machine in a library. And so the first person walks up and just asks this long line of people, hey, would it be okay if I cut in front of you to make copies? Now, they tested it over and over and over, and a certain number of people just were nice enough to let him in front of them, and they just kind of went on their way and did their thing. Then there was another group, and those people came up and interrupted the line and say, hey, would it be okay if I cut in front of you to make my copies because, and then they gave a kind of a good reason, because my child is stuck at daycare and I've got to get these copies before I get there. So they gave some explanation that would touch something that made sense. A high percentage of the people allowed them to cut in front of them just because they got that explanation. They were told the reason why they needed to cut in front of them and it made sense and so they allowed it to happen. But then the researchers did something very interesting. They had somebody walk up and say, can I cut in front of you and make copies because I need to make copies? Now, if you notice that phrasing, Everybody standing in that line needed to make copies. There was nothing added by saying that except for it was an explanation. And as soon as they gave an explanation, it made sense to the people and they allowed them to cut in front. So not quite as many people as when they gave a legitimate reason, let them cut in front, but way higher than the number of people who allowed them to just cut in front just because they asked to cut in front. They gave an explanation. At least they pretended to give an explanation because. And so if it works on other people, and by the way, use that very carefully because you might decide to trick someone into doing something, right? But think about how you do it to yourself. Not just but, but and think about how you do that to yourself. When you say, I'm not going to do that because... That because doesn't have to make any sense. It doesn't have to be uh, a useful phrase. But when you use that, you block yourself from moving forward. You've gone, well, that's why. There's a part of you that rests on the explanation or the excuse that you've given. And that's the danger of those two words. But and because will get you stuck more than any other two words I can think of. So if you're the king or queen of but or the king or queen of because, recognize that you may be using those as ways of staying stuck. You may not want to be stuck. You may not think you want to be stuck. And yet you're using those words as a way of staying stuck. Here's the truth. The fear is not there to keep you from doing something. It's only to point out the importance of something. As I like to say, Fear is not an avoidance indicator. It's an importance indicator. We use it as an avoidance indicator. If something makes us fearful, we need to stay away from it. If something makes us fearful, we need to get away from that thing that's making us fearful because we don't want to feel fearful. Nobody wants to feel fear. But often the fear is pointing us in the direction of what we need to do. It's pointing us in the direction of something important. And so when we begin to change our relationship with fear, one of the first places we want to do that is to recognize that fear is never to be used as an avoidance indicator. It's always to be used as an importance indicator. 
It's a caution indicator. This is important. Now, you may decide to back off. You may decide because of what's going on that you have to back off. So I'm not saying that just because you have fear means you need to charge straight into everything. But you need to step back and say, wait, this is really important. I'm feeling that feeling. This must be important. Again, I'm not applying this to those fright situations, the startle situations, but those places where you keep telling yourself about this fear, you know, if it's, if it's making me this uncomfortable, I need to avoid that. You simply switch to say, if it's making me this uncomfortable, this fearful, I need to pay attention to this because it might be life changing and it certainly is important. When we don't feel fear about something, it's telling us it really isn't that important. A lot of times people will see us doing things that they think have some risk, but the only reason that they think it has some risk is because it makes them fearful. It may not make you fearful. Everybody has their own set of what's important. There are some people who abound on a stage and speak for hours in front of everyone and feel no fear. But that's simply because they don't find that to be a very important thing. What if you're giving the speech of your lifetime? That makes you have that fearful place. Think about the times where you might have stepped into your fear anyway. I'm not a person who likes to really be looked at. And so uh, getting married uh, had me walking down in front of everybody and speaking uh, to my bride in front of everybody and making promises in front of everybody. That was a fearful experience. And yet I embraced it because I knew that on the other side of it, what I got out of it was a marriage that was important. And we all have those places in our lives where we have seen those fearful things and have decided to charge straight into them. We've decided to say, no, the fear is not going to hold us back. We're going to continue forward. And yet we often don't apply that consistently in our lives. We find other places where we don't consistently step in and decide that we have to set aside the fear to get to where we want to. Fear can always point us to our negative core beliefs, and that's the power of fear. It can help us acknowledge that there are some places where we have negative core beliefs about ourselves, but it doesn't demand that you stay there. It's only pointing them out. And the reason that I believe that it's there to point them out is so that you can do something about it and move beyond them. You can discover your core negative core beliefs that way by looking at your fears. You can acknowledge that they're there and then you can still decide to move on. Because when we move against our fears, we dissolve those fears. When we move against our negative core beliefs, we dissolve our negative core beliefs. When we're stuck by our fear, there is an antidote. The antidote is a bit uncomfortable, but it's an important antidote, and that is courage. Courage is always the antidote. I've talked about this as the difference between living a fearful life and a fierce life. A fierce life requires us to step into courage. Where does courage come from? Cure, the French word cure, Latin for heart. The action comes from our heart, from our passion. Courage is not about just action, but without fear. Courage always has fear in it. I have told this story also, but some years ago, I was working with my son's Cub Scout group, and we were all around the tables at the elementary school, and the kids were working on a project, and I heard some boys talking about this firefighter who was courageous. They said he was a hero, and he he did such um, courageous actions, and I went over, and I said, hey, guys, 
What do you think that means? What do you think it means that he took courageous action? And all the boys finally agreed that it meant he took courageous action because he didn't have any fear. And I said, huh, I don't think it's that. In fact, I think the fact that he had fear and took action is what makes it courageous. Because when we just take action, when we just do something without moving against fear, without it being courageous, it's just action. You know, if I take action and I have no fear, all I'm doing is acting. But if I take action in spite of my fear, or maybe sometimes even because of my fear, I decide to do that, but certainly in spite of my fear, then I've moved into my courage. And courage is what always leads us out of that, un- that stuck place. Courage is action in spite of the fear. So what's your strategy? Let me give you a five-part strategy on how to take the fear, turn it around, and move forward into where you need to be to be unstuck. The first thing is to write down the phrase, I would blank, but, and then name the fear that keeps you from doing that. And you can even throw in because. So write down, I would, whatever it is, whatever thing you think you want to move towards, something that makes you exciting. If it doesn't make you excited, you haven't landed on it, but something that pumps you up. I would, it's learn something, do something, be something, become something, whatever it is, put that down and then add on, but, and then name the fear of why you're not going to do it. And you can put because in there all you want. Get that as your phrase. Then I want you to rewrite that phrase and say, I will blank the exact same thing that was in that first blank and then name your fear. So what you're trying to do is now move it from the I would, if only, to I will, even though. And those are powerful shifts. You drop the but, you drop the because, you begin to move towards something more powerful. So first thing, start with the phrase that gets you stuck. I would blank, but name your fear, because, name why you're, you're giving yourself an excuse. Then rewrite that same phrase. This is step number two. Rewrite that to I will blank. Same thing that you just wrote of what you would do. You will do that and put in the fear. And I'm afraid of speaking in public. And I'm afraid of people being upset with me. And I'm afraid of telling people what I really think. And I'm afraid of rejection. You don't, you can't leave out the fear, but you don't have to let the fear dominate the conversation. So the third step is to just acknowledge that fear is there and note that that fear is just an emotion, a feeling. And if you really want to know what it is, it's really just a thought that elicits a feeling. There's a thought about that in your head and that's all it really is. No more than that. There's all it has no more power than you give it. We have thoughts in our head every single day. Our mind is created to make these thoughts over and over. That's just what a mind does. Our mind doesn't mean to get in our way, but our mind does. Some thoughts are helpful. Some thoughts move us to great things. Other thoughts hold us back. When we're having fearful thoughts, they're just thoughts until we decide that they're real, until we take them on as some reality to them. So it's no more real than you let it be. Don't let it be. Recognize it's just a thought that's going through your head and you don't have to entertain it. You don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to do anything but acknowledge it's there. And then number four, choose 
only the next action. Choose only the next action. Now, this kind of begins to look back on the place where we talked about those systems in place. You may say, my goal is to have a best-selling book. Okay, that's a goal. We're going to drop the goals and say, I'm just going to write a book. And every day I'm going to write five or six pages of that book. You don't have to say what that book is going to become. It may only be for your own desires. But when you get to that place where you can name that and choose the next action, you've created a system. So choose only the next action. What are you planning on doing? Some people find that if they all they say is, I'm going to set aside a half an hour, an hour a day to write. And you set a timer and you write as long as that time's got. Or maybe you say, I'm going to write four or five pages a day. Now, remember, if you wrote four to five pages a day in a month, you would have a decent sized book. And in two months, you would have a long book. If that were your goal. The same with anything. Instead of saying, I'm going to run the marathon. What if you start with, I'm going to run, walk a mile. I'm going to run, walk two miles. I'm going to run, walk three miles. And you take only the next action. So step number four is choose only the next action in place. Here's why you want to choose only the next action. Any action begins to dissolve that fear. Any action begins to move you to something different because it gets you in motion. And if you remember the laws of motions, once you're in motion, it's easier to get in motion faster. But it's the first step of moving from lack of motion to motion that's the hardest. That's about inertia. If you've ever noticed when you're trying to push a car, you know, maybe you had a car breakdown and you start to push it. Once you get it moving a little bit, it begins to be easier to move it. The first thing you have to do is get it moving. Choose the first step. So choose only the next action. And then there's a step five. Take that action. You get unstuck by taking the action in spite of the fear courage. That's where you face everything and rise. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you get unstuck. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.